We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. We don't get saved by the gospel and then live by another Bible message. We get saved by the gospel and live by the gospel. We don't get saved by the gospel and then L-I-V-E by another Bible message. We get saved by the gospel and we live by the gospel. So the gospel is not just the entrance point for the believer into God's kingdom. The gospel is the modus operandi for the believer. Do you understand? The gospel is not just the entry point. The gospel is the modus operandi. The gospel is the constitution for the believer. We are saved by the gospel. We live in Christ by the gospel. We come to Christ by the gospel. We live in Christ by the gospel. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? We're not saved by the gospel to live in Christ by another Bible message. So it's not David's stories that keeps us in Christ. Who's, who's listening to what I'm saying? It's not Elijah and Elisha that keep us in Christ. Hello? It's not Deborah and Sisera. It's not Esther and Mordecai and Naaman. Haman, rather. Naaman was the leprous guy. It's not all those things that keep us in Christ. The same gospel that saves us is the same gospel by which we are kept. Therefore, everything about our walk with God is summed up in the gospel. So we cannot be said to be believers that rightly divide the word of truth or that grow into the fullness of the measure, the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ, Hebrews 4, if we don't thoroughly understand the gospel. And the gospel is not, you may be born, you must be born again. You know, you know, that's why we have believed that we preach the gospel to save people and then we save them and now preach the word to them. <laughs> we don't preach the word to save them. We preach the gospel. And after we preach the gospel to them and they are born again, then we now start preaching the word. Because we, this, the, the gospel, the scope of the gospel is you must be born again. Repent for the kingdom of God, Satan. As we've said over and over, and we highlighted last week, you know, if you die tomorrow, where would you spend your eternity? And you know, I've checked through the New Testament. I've not seen anywhere the gospel was preached like that. Like I said to you last week about the car. How many of you went home thinking about it? How many of you dreamt about it? <laughs> The gospel was never preached like that anywhere. So it's, it, it behoves us to understand thoroughly what the gospel is because we have, not, we have not outgrown the need for the gospel. No believer outgrows his or her need for the gospel. Oh, I got saved by the gospel. And now that I'm saved by the gospel, let's go on to other things in the word. No believer outgrows is need for the gospel. The reason why we think the gospel is just for getting born again is because we have limited the gospel to, to repentance. Which even by itself, the gospel is not. As I began to highlight last week. So as, as, as I was putting my notes together, I like to put notes together so that I am, I am guided. Again, as I was doing that, I said to myself, wow, 12 weeks, um, I lied. Because if it's 12 weeks, it's probably going to be 12, 12 weeks of every day to explore the gospel. You know, last week I gave you pointers, the message of the gospel, the premise of the gospel, the purpose of the gospel. And I began to break down the message of the gospel and I realized that in itself it had about 17 different points. 
the elements of the gospel, the inside, inside the message, the elements of the gospel, the scope of the gospel. And then in the scope of the gospel, you know, the fall of man, first of all, the plan of God, then the, the, the fall of man, and then the redemptive plan, and then the, the, what was the plan of God for man? What did the fall of man entail? And what was the consequences of the fall of man? The result of the fall and the consequence of the fall. And then you now come to the redemptive plan of God. At what point did God save mankind? At what point did he make the sacrifice for mankind? What did the redemptive plan activate for us? That's all under one point. Well, one sub point. The redemptive plan. Under a point, the message. No, not under a point, the scope under a point, the message of the gospel. So strap up. Strap up is going to be an interesting ride. We said last week, we went through what the word gospel meant in the Greek evangelion, how many times it occurred. Just, just a little statistic so that you know. Um, and the different variants that we said it was the gospel, the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of peace, the gospel of the kingdom, and even then the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And then the, kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, Revelation says. So there's all those variants for the gospel in, in the Bible. And, and then we said that because of what the word means, it has to infer something that is good. So the gospel cannot be scary. Like the car. Yeah? The gospel cannot be scary. But the gospel is good news. So therefore, there is no bad news in the gospel. There's no bad news in the gospel. It's good news. And then we talked about the fact that whatever the gospel means, it must be good news. And then later on, he also got to be known um, as the four books that they thought encapsulated the gospel. Right? I explained that to all of you. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because they are called synoptics, because they all agree. Synoptic gospels. And then John, that just does his thing solo. Right? And what you find in John, you don't find anywhere else in the other gospels and so they got to be known as the gospel but then i began to explain to us what really is the gospel if, if the gospel we read first corinthians 15 right and paul is talking about how i delivered to you what i first received how that christ died according to the scriptures how he was buried according to the scriptures how he resurrected according to the scriptures and if that's the gospel that paul preaches that he's unashamed of romans 1 16 um that he preached to them then what gospel did jesus preach remember that because if jesus had not died what was he preaching I remember saying a while ago, many years ago when I started teaching, I, I, I explored this, this theme and I, I came to the conclusion from scripture that Christ did not preach Christ. When he was preaching the gospel, he didn't preach Christ. And the interesting thing is he didn't send his disciples to preach Christ. But he sent them to preach the gospel. Jesus preached the gospel. In Luke 4, he says in 43, we, we saw that last week, that there are other cities that must go and preach this gospel too. He sent them out in Luke, but in, in twos, the 12 to preach the gospel. In, like, in chapter 9, chapter 10, he sent the 70 out again, right? In twos to also preach the gospel, the good news. Now, if he preached the gospel, what was he preaching? And then we went and started exploring Abraham here in the gospel. What gospel did Abraham hear? What gospel did Abraham believe? And if the gospel is Christ died, buried, crucified, and all that, then it was only seen in his shadow form in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In fact, Matthew ends in 28 with go into the world and make disciples, right? Mark ends in 16. Go out there and preach the good news, right? Mark, um, Luke ends in 24 with Jesus finishing the discussion with those two guys on the, on the road to Emmaus, breaking bread with them, addressing all the other disciples, and then they watched him being taken away from them. No instruction to do anything. John ends in 21 with men. We just wrote this little thing so that you will believe. Because if we're going to write everything, the world will not contain the amount of books. That's it. And then Acts starts again. It's Luke that is writing Acts to Theophilus. And begins to t t talk about the things that, of, that Jesus began both to do and teach. Remember we talked about that one time in Word and Life? You know, so he goes on. So really, we don't see the scope, as it were, of the gospel in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because the books end as soon as he died and resurrected and left. 
So really what we see is the gospel in its promissory sense, the gospel as is about to come in his future sense, beginning to be activated at his resurrection. But unfortunately, the accounts end at his resurrection and then Acts picks up where the gospels left off. Yeah? Do you understand? The book of Acts picks up where the gospels, the four books, left off because Jesus told them, stay in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Come on high. And that power was who? Notice we say the power was not what? The power is a who? Yeah? How God anointed, Acts 10, 38, I believe, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. So he says, Holy Ghost is coming. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So who is the power? Who is also the anointing? The Holy Ghost. Make sense? So Acts starts off with them tiring in Jerusalem and then being endued with power. And they pick up from there and start to preach the gospel for a moment preaching the same gospel they were preaching before Jesus died. Even though he was risen. <laughs> so what did the gospels contain? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, why do we call them the gospel? Because it only kicks in at the very end. Because Hebrews says, I told you last week, that where there's a testament, there must of a necessity be the death of the testator. So you, might, you can be there and you are worth a, a billion naira as per your father's will. It's not yours until your father dies. That's why some people believe and pray for their father to die. That's why I love who you guys call the prodigal son. Because he wasn't prodigal. He was a smart son. He says, you know what? I, I watch you gymming every morning. I watch you running 10 kilometers when you wake up. I watch you watching your fruits and veg intake, taking your five a day. You don't eat junk food. You brush your teeth three times a day. Old man, you ain't going to die anytime soon. So you know what? I ain't waiting for this thing, man. I ain't waiting for you to die. Activate your will now. Give me what's mine. You can stay as long as you want. But I ain't going to wait for you to die, man. Because the way I'm looking at you. Dying is not <laughs> on your budget. It's not on your list at all. So, so you know what? So just activate this thing. And by faith, he who hadn't obtained the promise, obtained it. And he left. Squandered everything. Came to his senses. Realized that I am still a son. And goes back and we, we, we see from the narrative that his father didn't become poorer because he activated his will. But according to natural laws, where there's a testament, where there's a will, that's the meaning of the word testament, the testator, the person that wrote the will, must first of all die to activate the will. And then an estate manager or a will manager comes in to start to say, your father left this and that and that and that and that and begins to apportion all of that. And sometimes you can get cheated. There can be a collusion of certain parties with the estate manager and then they just do this and the other. And the, and the enemy was hoping that if anything about what Jesus did was, was, was true, he would come in when Jesus died and mess it up. And to his utter dismay, Jesus resurrects after the will has been activated to manage the estate himself. beautiful and then if the princes of this world had known they would not have crucified the lord of glory they missed they didn't know maths yeah they didn't calculate properly they had no calculators there so the gospel is refreshing whatever it is whatever it means it gives assurance not joy no fear there's no fear in the gospel can we all say that together there's no fear in the gospel the gospel does not have a bad side yeah the gospel does not have a bad side. The bad side of the gospel as they have made it is not the gospel. The gospel is good news. The gospel is not one side of a coin. The gospel is just a coin. Anywhere you flip it is the gospel. It's not the gospel on this side 
and then the small print on the other side. Now we said last week that it's the exclusive work of God without the participation of a man. If, if that's what the gospel is, the, the, the complete act of God without the participation of a man, then it's believing, not work. Pretty much, right? Is believing work, works, or is believing faith? Because you're believing on him that has done all the work. Make sense? So the whole world, First John says in chapter 2, and I think verse 2 or 20, no, 20 is anointing, so I think 2 too, um, that he, he died for our sins, but not just our sins, the sins of the whole world. So everybody's sins, past, present, and future, is paid for. But not everybody will cash in on it because you ought to believe it to receive it. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You ought to believe it to receive it. And so believing is not an act of works. It's an act of faith. That's the only thing you need to do. And it's not a doing as in something active like working to do something. It's just to appropriate what has been done for you. Make sense? Make sense? Yeah? So that's, that's the gospel. It doesn't have a bad side. Whenever bad side is introduced to the gospel, it's not the gospel. It's the consequence for being gospel-less. The consequence for rejecting the gospel or stepping out of it is not the gospel. Do you understand what I said? The gospel does not have a flip side. If you reject the gospel, you're condemned. God does not condemn. But man who rejects the gospel is condemned. Do you understand? There's no condemnation in God. He doesn't condemn. Because Christ came into the world not imputing their trespasses to them. And he, mod- he modeled that already with the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Where are your accusers? Remember that? Last week. He doesn't condemn. But he, he puts it this way. He that believes shall be saved. He that does not believe is condemned. Do you understand that? That's the gospel. So it's important, it's relevant, we said, it to, the, to the condition of all his hearers. Yeah, so whether you're poor, in physical terms, or rich, whether you're sick or well, the gospel is applicable to everybody because all have sinned. Yeah, it, it can be material things. And then we went on to explore, Jesus preached the gospel, he commanded his disciples to preach the gospel, um, and Paul preached the gospel, right? First, um, Romans 1, 9, 16, we said as well, Abraham heard the gospel, and that blew some people's minds. Yeah, Galatians 3, 8, Abraham heard the gospel. Uh, so what is the gospel? If Abraham heard it, if Jesus preached it before he died, if he preached the gospel before he died, if the Jews and Gentiles heard it, then what is the gospel? And here's the definition I put together for you. The gospel is the good news. Oh man, I'm excited about this. The gospel. You ready? It's the good news of the fullness of God's eternal will for mankind. The gospel is the good news of the fullness of God's eternal will for mankind as purchased, enacted, and perfected in the finished work of Christ. Does anybody like that? The good news of the fullness of God's eternal will for mankind as purchased, enacted, and perfected in the finished work of Christ. The gospel is the good news of the fullness of God's eternal will for mankind as purchased, as enacted, and as perfected in the finished work of Christ. i say one more time. The gospel is the good news of the fullness of God's eternal will for mankind as purchased, enacted, and perfected 
in the finished work of Christ. So you see, the gospel is about Christ, yes. But more than that, the gospel is about what Christ did for me. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So the aim of the gospel is to reconcile man to God and to establish God's kingdom in the earth through the lordship of Christ and the instrumentality of man. The aim of this gospel is to reconcile man to God and to establish God's kingdom in the earth through the lordship of Christ and the instrumentality of man. That's the aim of the gospel. That's the aim of the gospel. That's why the gospel cannot end. Let's take it one more time. The aim, its aim is to reconcile man to God and to establish his kingdom in the earth through the lordship of Christ and the instrumentality of man or the agency of man. The Lordship of Christ and the instrumentality of man. Keep an eye on the recording, so we're good. <laughs> How many of you have listened to the audio for part one? Yeah, it's quite some stuff, isn't it? Quite some stuff. Its aim is to reconcile man to God and establish his kingdom in the earth through the Lordship of Christ and the instrumentality of man. We get it? So that's a working definition of the gospel for the purpose of this teaching series. The good news of God's eternal plan for mankind, right? As purchased, enacted, and perfected in the finished work of Christ. Its aim is to reconcile man to God and establish his kingdom in the earth through the lordship of Christ and the instrumentality of man. You get it? Is it clear? Elements of the gospel. Elements of the gospel. We're still doing an introduction. So, I mean, you will call this part one. You call this part two, but really it is all part of part one. <laughs> yeah? What is the gospel? That's what we're trying to establish. We haven't even started exploring it yet. The elements of the gospel... Include reconciliation to God and his kingdom. And this is where we begin to open our Bibles, which we'll do like a thousand times before we close today, before Nigeria starts to play Argentina. Yeah? So 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21. Reconciliation to God and his kingdom. Reconciliation to God and his kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21. Colossians 1.13, I'll just open that. Let me call the elements out while, while I'm getting the scriptures ready. Elements of the gospel, reconciliation to God and his kingdom, that's one. Two, domination of earth for his kingdom. And three, colonization of earth as his kingdom. Elements of the gospel, reconciliation to God and his kingdom. Domination of earth for his kingdom and colonization of earth as his kingdom. You will not find this in any textbook. You will not find this in any writing. This is the Holy Spirit and path and scriptures. Yeah? I'm not copying what anybody is saying. We sit and we study. Amen? Yeah. Elements of the gospel, reconciliation to God and his kingdom. Right? Domination of earth for that kingdom and eventually colonization of earth as the kingdom. You see the progression? Yes. You are saved into it. You dominate for it. You colonize as it. These are the elements of the kingdom. So then this is why we have a lot of people who, we preach Christ, we preach Christ, we preach Christ, we preach Christ, we preach Christ. We are saved by grace and through faith. We are saved by grace, not of works. And there is no, no fruit of that in your life as a believer. Hello? You know, he himself said he was the door. 
So it didn't end with entering into Christ. It began with entering into Christ. He says, I am the way. Make sense? I'm the access, the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we come into Christ, but we grow in him until we become totally him. It doesn't, it doesn't end with just getting born again. Most times we think that after we get born again, the next thing is church service. Join a department. Because what you, what, you what you start being told in church is become a worker. If you're serious about God, become a worker. If you're serious about, as though God opened a company that didn't have enough staff. <laughs> do you understand? It's as though God is just saving people to get people to do labor. <laughs> Has anyone thought about it before? See, as soon as you get saved, to prove that you're a mature minister, you have to become a worker in the vineyard. Of the, of the you are saved to serve. Says who? Says who? You are saved to grow. You are saved to mature. You are saved to be nurtured. And out of the abundance of that, you can serve. Do you understand what I just said? That's the gospel. So that all of that stuff is just elementary reconciliation to God and his kingdom. That's just entry level to the gospel. Do you understand? Yeah. It's, not, it's not the ultimate. It's not the, it's not the ultimate. It's not the ultimate. So, so that's entry point into the gospel. Reconciliation to God and his kingdom. Right? Second Corinthians 5 talks about that, right? Let's, let's read it. Second Corinthians 5, 18. Reconciliation to God and his kingdom. Domination of earth for his kingdom. Colonization of earth as his kingdom. So second, reconciliation to God and his kingdom. Second Corinthians 5, 18 to 21. I will read for the sake of the recording in the New King James Version. Now all things are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation? That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Remember when we talked about the scripture? That we don't have the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile men to God. Yeah. But to let them know that God has reconciled us to God in Christ. And therefore we are releasing that word to them. Our ministry of reconciliation is the uttering of the word of reconciliation. That lets them know that God has reconciled them to Christ. Not that God will. But that God has. He couldn't have already died and then is waiting to reconcile you. In his death, burial, resurrection is the reconciliation. Do you understand that? So the message of reconciliation is God has reconciled us to himself. And because we are reconciled to him, he has called us to the ministry of reconciliation. And that ministry is not a ministry of us going to reconcile men to God. Because there's only one mediator, the man Christ Jesus. Yes. So he explains in the next verse that that ministry is actually the word of reconciliation. So our ministry is to let them know, hey, what are you doing out there? You have been reconciled to God. How? Through Christ. As I am? Yes. Before you were. And all you need to do is believe. That's all you need to do. So, the first element of the gospel is reconciliation to God and his kingdom. Colossians chapter 1. One of my favorite scriptures. You don't mind if I do all the reading, right? Just, just so that I don't have to cut it out of the recording. Yeah? Because it, it does help, doesn't it? It's not easy on my throat, but, you know, there's grace. <laughs> Colossians 1, 13. 
Ah, but it begins to get hot. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So we were reconciled to God, but we're reconciled into a kingdom. Uh, do you guys understand? So the first element of the gospel is reconciliation to God and his kingdom. He cannot be divorced from his kingdom. Kingdom is king domain, the domain that a king exercises over a place. Domain. From two words, king and dominion. An area in which a king exercises express domain is his kingdom. The domain of a king over which he has dominion is a kingdom. Make sense? So the king is the exclusive sovereign of any kingdom. The only person that can represent that king is the person to whom the king decides to extend or share his dominion to. Do you understand? So when you're saved, you're saved into the king and into his kingdom. Reconcile to God and then reconcile to his kingdom. Because that was what we lost when we fell. And I'm going ahead of myself. What we lost can be summated in one word. Kingdom. Everything God is doing, God is doing with kingdom on his mind. Everything God is doing, he's doing with what? Kingdom on his mind. Because he's a king. He's a king. When he saved us, guess what he made us? Kings and priests. It must matter to him. When he saved us, guess what he calls us? A royal priesthood. It must matter to him. The twofold manifestations of a believer are that of king and priest. I have authority on earth. I have access before God. Do you understand? I have authority on earth. I have access before God. I can come to God now. I don't need anybody to deputize for me. I don't need anybody to pray for me. I don't need anybody to worship for me. I don't need anybody to praise for me. I don't need anybody's permission to be, to be forgiven. Yes. I don't. I don't. I'm a priest. Which means wherever there is an altar, and right now the only altar is in heaven. Wherever there's an altar, I can come. I'm a priest. In, in, in those days, there was only one that went in once a year with blood that covered for one year. And then another priest came, took away that whole priesthood, trashed it, replaced it with his own priesthood, and his priesthood made everybody a priest. No longer a tribe of people that were limited in what they could do. Jesus comes, sheds his blood. And if you allow me, if we had the time, we'll get there. Sheds his blood. And in shedding his blood, takes away our sins. He didn't stop there. He now says, come and, come and share this priesthood with me. Do you know what it means for you to be a priest? It means you are perpetually righteous before God. John, it means you have constant access with confidence before the throne. So not just have I saved you, I've given you the ingredient of a saved person so that at any point in time you are immediately in God's presence. You're a priest. You, you, it's not like you are waiting now for me to come and do it. No, no, you, you come. Even when you think you messed up, Hebrews 4, come boldly. Second element of the gospel, domination of earth. Are we still streaming? Domination of earth for his kingdom. Galatians 3, 8 to 12. Are you getting this? Galatians 3, 8 to 12. New King James. And the scripture 
foreseeing that God will justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, here was the gospel Abraham heard. Please stay with me. In you, all the nations shall be blessed. And the scripture, foreseeing that God will justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In you, as we go down, you, you find in Galatians 3, in you was referring to Abraham's seed. Right? All the nations of the earth was referring to all of us. Right? So again, what was on God's mind? Nations. Kingdom. So we are saved, reconciled to God and his kingdom. We are saved to dominate the earth for his kingdom. And then the third element is colonize. So the, the, Christ, if God was the first colonial master. And he's the only legal colonial master. Only God is the legal colonial master. So he designed us to be saved, to colonize earth as his kingdom. Daniel 7, very interesting scripture. Daniel 7, verse 9 to 14. Is this exciting, anybody? Daniel 7, 9 to 14. I will read, as always, in the King James Version. Daniel 7, 9 to 14. I, this is Daniel's vision. I watched till thrones were put in place. And the ancient of days was seated. His garment was as white as snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. By now you all know who we're talking about. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands, that's a million, ministered to him. And even that is not... It's just figurative. It means an uncountable number. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Twelve. I was watching the night visions, and behold, one, capital O, like the Son of Man, same thing Nebuchadnezzar saw, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. In my Bible, I called that the third coming of Christ. Because what you call the second coming is rapture. He comes again. We're with him for a thousand years. Finishes that arbitrator magazine. He comes again and takes over the kingdom. Revelation 13 makes that clear. And the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And it shall rule and reign forever. So what's the third element of the gospel? Colonization. We take over territory and turn it over to the real king. That's why the gospel does not end with you accepting Jesus. That's what church has deceived us to believe. The gospel doesn't end with accepting Jesus. Accepting Jesus is just page one of the gospel. Page one. That's why it could be called the gospel of peace, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of God, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of his dear son. Reconciling us to God and his kingdom. Us now dominating the earth in our sphere of influence for his kingdom. That includes depopulating hell. And then the ultimate is colonizing earth as his kingdom. Threefold elements of the gospel. Did we get that? 
all these three elements are as accessed through what? The finished work of Christ. So that's the focal point. So when we preach Christ, we're preaching Christ's finished work and what that calls us into. Not Christ's finished work full stop. Do you understand? We preach Christ's finished work and what that work calls us into. Now, if you're here and you're a Christian and we finish teaching this gospel and you can't teach it, you're not a Christian. If, if, you, if you're a believer, this is what you ought to know. Fundamentals. And, and the writer of Hebrews <laughs> calls them elementary principles in chapter 6. These are not even the deep things of the kingdom. <laughs> These are still elementary things. He calls them elementary things. Now, you cannot proceed into university, secondary school, university, if you didn't do your primary school. And write common entrance. So, there's only as far as you can go in God if you don't understand these elementary principles. And you know, in our days now, those of you here, those of you watching, that can learn this elementary principle will rule over those that think they are advanced in God. Yes. That's what, there's a stirring and shifting going on. People who have sat on thrones customarily are now feeling threatened. Because yes. you can't sit on the truth anymore. The truth is on the loose. It is on the rise. You have caged and damned it for too long. All the dams have broken open. All the dams have broken open. All the dams have broken open. There's nothing holding the truth back anymore. It is about, it is beginning to be fulfilled. Habakkuk 2.14. Scripture God gave me when I was calling to ministry first time many years ago. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk 2.14. It's, it's happening in our day. So if you are serious with God, these are the principles of the kingdom you ought to know. So if you are, if you are, if you are here right now, count yourself most privileged. And you will not see it now, it's okay. But count yourself most privileged to know this. To know this. Because what happens now is you begin to instruct the earth the manifold wisdom of God in Christ. And this is how. The gospel. So don't make light of it. All of this is as accessed through the finished work of Christ that brings us into the realities of the kingdom. The reconciliation of God, to God rather, and his kingdom. Domination of earth for the kingdom and colonization of earth as his kingdom, all as accessed through the finished work of Christ that brings us into the realities of the kingdom. Then you begin to understand, while well, as if you are writing, I write in, begin to understand that all of the finished work of Christ, all the redemptive plan of God, was nothing more than a restorative plan. He was just taking us back to what always was. From the Beningi. That's all. That's all. And, and hopefully we can explore that in the message of the gospel. All of this is just a restorative plan. Take us back to what was. The plan hasn't changed. The game changed. <laughs> Do you know what I The plan didn't change. The game changed. Because even before law, faith was. How did Noah find grace? How did Abraham walk in faith and became the father of faith before the cross? And we who are saved are called heirs of Abraham according to the promise. What gospel did he believe? 
I wrote this here, and it's a very bold statement. The end result of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom. <laughs> if we went right, man. So your writing is making, slowing me down. <laughs> right. It would teach me to, to pace myself. Because you know, I want to just, I want to just go. <laughs> I have to wait. You should get the recording, no. You can't catch everything on your, in your notebook. Yeah, I can't. Can't. Because I'm waiting for you. Slow me down. There's fire in my bones. The end result of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom. That's the end result of the gospel. Jesus in Matthew 7, Luke 11, when they said, teach us to pray. He says, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What was the first request? What was the first request? Not forgive us our sins. How much less give us this day? Even the give us this day came before forgive us our sins. So just with I start the service, you know, let's thank the Lord. We thank the Lord, 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 thank the Lord. Then second prayer point. Brethren, the Bible says if we regard iniquity in our hearts, Lord no hear us. Why have you been thanking him since? If you want to do that, you should come and start. The prayer should be, uh, our fa- in fact, we can't even say, Father, forgive us our trespasses. First. But then I have a problem with that as well. If he doesn't hear your sin, how can he even hear you to forgive? If he's not hearing you, how will he even hear that you are asking him to forgive you? You already smoked. <laughs> but the last time. <laughs> it's finished. Because you first of all you come and say, Our fa-. Lord, I hope you're listening. <laughs> if you can hear also, forgive us. But how will he hear you if he cannot regard you? So when you are thanking, what are you thanking him for? <laughs> and if you want to start with, 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 with forgive us our sins, he is not hearing you because of your sin. So, you, so you're, you're hopeless. But most times when we pray these things, here is what makes us think we've, got, think we've gotten answers. We feel goosebumps. We feel like, yeah, I prayed through. Why do you see that in your Bible? I prayed until I prayed through. You know what pray through means? Means I prayed until I felt it. Ah, yeah, yeah. This kind of, it's kind of effectual, fervent prayer. Heaven must have, heaven must have heard. Hmm? Heaven must have heard. Mm. Mm. I prayed through. Prayed through. Where, where, where do we get this concept from? The way I prayed like this, eh? God has forgiven me. The way I lie down and I cry eh? The compassion of God is not moved by your tears. Moved by the cross. The compassion of God is not moved. It's not stared by your crying. Father, you know, you know, you know. I, I didn't know that when I went to his house, I was going to, I didn't know, God, I didn't know. If I had known, eh? Ah. The compassion of God is only activated in Christ through the cross. Not your tears. Not your tears. You can't come and quote Exodus 34 for me now. I will have compassion upon whom he will, I will have compassion. That was before the cross. Now the cross came. God has nothing else other than compassion. 
His wrath has been fully satisfied. Jesus drank the cup and left not a drop. Left not a drop. The end result of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom. Ah, man. I'm just getting started, though. (laughs) And it's time. The end result of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom. So then, we saw in Galatians 3, 8, right, that Abraham heard the gospel. Hmm? What gospel did Abraham hear? The end result of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom. God does everything with kingdom on his mind. Three elements of the gospel. Reconciliation to God and kingdom. Domination of earth. For kingdom. Colonization of earth as kingdom. Common denominator, kingdom. Every time Jesus was asked a question and he responded, his response was, the kingdom of God is like, in Matthew. In Mark and Luke, the kingdom of heaven is like. So they are used interchangeably. You cannot divorce a king from his kingdom. You cannot divorce God from heaven. So we can say the kingdom of God and mean the kingdom of heaven. We can say the kingdom of heaven and mean the kingdom of God. Do you understand that? Every time he was asked a question, he responded. He gave a parable and said the kingdom of God is like. So every question they asked him was for him an opportunity to exert the understanding of the kingdom. So, and that's, and that's, how, I, that's how I live my life. I live my life by principles. When something goes wrong... I use it to teach you a principle that I hope in your understanding the principle, not only do you avoid that wrong, but every similar wrong that comes along, by the application of that principle, you can deal with it to the point where you can absolutely avoid that wrong. Did you hear what I meant? So I don't have to spend my life correcting every wrong, waiting for you to do wrong and then correct it. I pick the wrong, I deal with it, but I deal with it by teaching you a principle that helps you to deal with every similar instance until you don't have to fall into it again. Does that make sense? And that was the pattern of Christ. That was the Christocentric pattern. He will take an opportunity of every question they asked him to teach them how that thing relates to the kingdom. So anytime something of a similar nature comes up, you can apply that kingdom principle. Everything he did, he did with kingdom on his mind. Don't forget that. And so we said the end result of the gospel through Christ's finished work is the coming of the kingdom, right? On that basis, we're now exploring the gospel or starting to explore the gospel. If Abraham heard the gospel and the gospel has these three elements and the gospel is the good news concerning God's perfect will, eternal will for mankind as purchased, Enacted and perfected in Christ. Its aim to reconcile us to God and establish his kingdom in the earth through the lordship of Christ and the instrumentality of man. Right? Three elements of the gospel, reconciliation to God and his kingdom, domination of earth for the kingdom, colonization of earth as his kingdom. End result of the gospel, the coming of the kingdom. All of this access through the finished work of Christ. Are we together so far? Genesis 12. What gospel did Abraham hear? He. Oh my God. Genesis 12. Is is this too much? Should we close already? You you, you can take a bit more. Yeah. Genesis 12. Remember that's the chapter that, that God called Abraham as Abram. First time, yeah? So he calls him out. I'll skip all of that. Let's go to verse 7. Second appearance of God to Abram. First appearance was to call him out of Haran, his father's house. Verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, first gospel, to your descendants, I will give this land. Look up. Galatians 3. Paul said, what Abraham heard was, in you, the nations will be blessed. And that was the gospel Paul said Abraham heard. Uh, 
Wait for you to boot and catch up. Have, have you catched up? Yes. Hmm? <laughs> yeah? Have you catched up? Yeah? Yeah? I know, I know some people are still booting. I know. Yeah. I wait for you to boot, boot, boot. Some of you have slow rams, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Lord. Remember all we have run down on the kingdom and the, the gospel so far? We read in Galatians 3, 8 that the scripture preached the gospel to Abraham saying, in you shall the nations be blessed. Nations, kingdom. Yes? Now we're exploring what gospel then did. If the gospel is God's perfect plan for man, for mankind, as purchased, enacted, and perfected through the finished work of Christ. What gospel did Abraham, is it the same gospel? We're beginning to see that in Genesis 12, the first thing that was preached to Abraham was, in you, the descendants, nations, descendants, stay with me. Are you following? Genesis 12, 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants I will give this land. That was the first gospel. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Genesis 13 and verse 5. Next gospel. Oh my lay. Genesis 13. Are we there? 15. God is speaking to him, you know, after Lot left him, remember? Genesis 13. The Lord appeared to him after Lot had departed from him. I talked about that not, not long ago. And da, 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 lift up your eyes. Let me just go from verse 14. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had departed from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward. Are we seeing dominion? Are we seeing colonization? Yes. Yeah? Northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all, somebody say all. all. The land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. The end result of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom. So I'm trying to join the dots so you can see that the gospel is all-encompassing. It was perfected in Christ, but preached from Abraham. Actually, it wasn't the first time it was preached, but we'll come to that if you let me. Genesis 13, <laughs> 15. Let's go on to chapter 22 after he sacrificed Isaac, right? The first time the word worship appears in your English Bible is in Genesis 22 and verse 5. But we're looking at verse, verses 15 to 18. Um, then the angel, capital A, I've explained to you who that is, of the Lord, called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, he's preaching again, the gospel. By myself I have sworn, please stay with me, don't be distracted, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, 17, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. Your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. 18, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. That's the gospel that was preached to Abraham. The gospel of the kingdom. As coming through Abraham's seed. Through which all the nations shall be reconciled, dominated, or take dominion, or have dominion, and colonize earth. For the king. Can you hear the gospel coming together? Where was that gospel gotten from? Genesis chapter 3. The first time the gospel was preached. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3. If you have had enough and you're about to pass out, just let me know. We'll close. Yeah, favor. You okay? Yeah? You're not, you're not running in sleep mode. Hibernation also. Genesis chapter 3. We all know that story. The, fall, the temptation of, of, of Adam and Eve, the fall of man, you know, all of that. 
And here's God trying to punish them. Trying. Genesis 3.15. God is speaking and he says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her capital S, seed. He shall bruise your head, bruise the head of the serpent, and you shall bruise his heel. That was the first time the gospel was preached. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.